Well, welcome to A Voice in the Distance Ministries, as we are now going into Ephesians chapter 3. And uh, again, chapter 3 here is going to be neat. You know, if you like mysteries, if you like mystery stories or anything like that, you know, people uh, people like those kind of things, these mystery stories. Now, the thing is, is that God does not give us mysteries and tells us, well, go ahead and ponder on it. You know, the Word of God brings mysteries to be revealed. And so there's been a lot of mystery over the years about such as things like in the previous chapter, in, in the uh, part two of chapter two, I labeled that one grace meets faith. And there's a lot of mystery involved in that too. There's been a lot of mystery involved with, with faith. There's been a lot of mystery involved with grace because there's been a lot of uh, particular personal outlooks of those things. And so... You know, back in the day when, you know, when Paul was around, he reminded us that we all lived in bondage to sin. And some people were enslaved to it. And we still are, if you think about it. They have this stranglehold on us, which leaves us spiritually dead. But what he made known was that through the work of Christ on the cross, it was beyond just, you know, yes, he died for our sins and gave us a place in heaven. But he cast upon uh, all of our sins upon him up there through that. And, and now that we, he gives us the experience of freedom from sin, that we might have a, a joyous and vibrant life in him. And, and because of that, we've seen that the, the great love that God had for us, who was rich in grace and mercy. He made us alive in Christ. And, and even when we were dead is, is what, it's, uh, what it spoke of and taught us. But, you know, the thing is, the mystery for a lot of things was is that it's difficult to convince some people that they need to be saved from something they cannot see. You know, a lot of us might have a particular vice of drugs or alcohol or something of the sort that is obvious within the eye view. But, you know, again, God is aware of everything ahead of our steps. You know, it's good to pray when you leave the house. It's good to pray when you're in your car because he knows what's going to happen uh, you know, a mile up the road from where you're at. And we need to be relying on him for every step that we take. Okay, and, and so we look at the marks of, of, of a Christian that, that, that we are intimately aware of. That what we, what we would have become and where we would have ended up if God had not intervened. And, and we understand that although we don't deserve it, God does love us anyway, right? And, and so this should provide us an everlasting joy here on earth. That is mysterious to some people. I don't get how that could be. I don't, I don't understand that. And people have a mindset that, you know, well, if you do things wrong to me, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm done with you and I'm not going to forgive you and so on and so forth. We do that daily with God. And yet he still invites us to come home, you know. And so, some people could, you know, back in the days, you know, we, uh, during the times of slavery and stuff like that, you know, people probably found it hard to imagine a slave being set free, right, and not living differently from everyone else. So, I bet, but the question is, is why should we receive life yet still live as though we are dead? How does God want us to live? Right? Is the proper response to God's gift of freedom is, is to live jubilantly, right? Or thankfully, as people are set free? It's a mystery to some. 
And so again, we want to take a look at what Paul is saying here in the revealing of such. And again, Ephesians, small but powerful. All of his books are powerful and small. But I mean, again, like I said, Ephesians has always been a book that really I've always been drawn to. And um, because it's, it covers so much. Of, of, of things that we see doctrinally. So many things that we see in the form of our everyday application of life. And, and yet, it, it is complex, but yet so simple at the same time. It's complex because we cannot comprehend the grace and mercy that Paul speaks of. But, we, but a lot of us can because we have experienced it. And when, you, and when you receive the Lord in your life, you experience that firsthand. You feel like there's a sense of a weight that's been lifted off of you. But let's go ahead and see what he has to say here in, in, in Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to be doing the whole chapter. It's not a big chapter, so I should be able to cover the whole chapter in today's message. But we're going to start off in verse 1 through 4, as it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles... If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, funny how Paul is in the same boat of people. He, he had arrested and persecuted because this was again a prison epistle. Half of what Paul wrote, half of his letters were written from a vile, dungy prison. <laughs> but the, the, be, the best he would have had was, um, in this case, was his two years in house arrest. Uh, he, he spent a two-year prison sentence in a house arrest. That was probably the best that he had. But he was still a prisoner. He was not free to come and go. This was uh, for, for Christ that he was in prison for. But a revealing of the mystery is what Paul makes known. There was a bringing together of the Jew and the Gentile in the design of of God. Because Paul got to be a part of that. And I've mentioned it before in Paul's past in the previous chapters. Talk about God having a sense of humor. Using a Jew of all Jews to be a messenger of God for such a thing that Paul would have had someone stoned for. You know, this... Uh, he, for this, no way would uh, Gentiles be grafted. You know, Paul would be stoned, having somebody stoned for saying such a thing. And then we have Peter. Peter was given revelation. Paul was given revelation, and, and Peter said in his epistle that we did not create clever stories that we made up. And, and Paul is also making that known as well. He was stating that he was not just making up a clever story. There were two different people, two different writings and places. Okay, Paul had had uh, Paul has paid dearly for what he has taught over the years. The beatings, the prison. He, he was even stoned to death and brought up to heaven and brought back to life, as he wrote about it in First Corinthians. He, he explained that. But through the trials, through the pain, Paul maintained his demeanor. And more than anything, his faith, okay, because God was in, God is in control of all things. And, and Paul not just made known that verbally, but in his, uh, in, in life and in his actions, he made that known. Because we take the word mystery in the English language, and it is typically something that's unknown, it's, and it's kept unknown. It's a secret or something. 
But yet I've mentioned this a few times that the the Greek word mysterion, and I and what I've done is I I used the uh, the example of someone uh, discovering the bottom of an iceberg. We can see an iceberg sticking ten feet above the water, but if you dive down, you can observe that it is around a hundred feet deep. But it's it's there that you have to dive down and see for yourself. It, it's there that it, that it's there for you, for you to observe it. But really, the mystery can be seen in both ways. Okay, the Bible shows where God has shown His richness and mercy, and there's that famous passage in Exodus where God says that I will show mercy to who I will show mercy to, and vice versa. Now it's a mystery to some, but I I can attest. I, I can attest in life, and I can attest through the Word of God. Is that that I have never seen anyone rejected when someone asked. For his grace and mercy in truth. It is a mystery to many because we have not developed a sense of mercy towards others. Yet we want mercy when we fall short. And I heard a saying once that if, if you want to know who your true friends are, make a mistake and see if, they're, if they stay around. Yet we do things daily to disappoint Jesus. Yet he still wants to receive you. He is not desperate for companionship. He is not so lonely that he that he will hang out with just about anyone or every single soul that has been born and lives on earth. He wants he wants you with him. He wants me with him. And the mystery is revealed through the word of God and some of it in the book of Ephesians, amen. So let's take a look at verse 5 through 7 and see what it says real quick as it says, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men as it had now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace God given to me by the effective working of his power. So, other age is not known. Where What he's talking about were times within the Old Testament and there was no one better to write this passage than Paul. If anyone who could attest to this, it is Paul who was a scholar of the Old Testament and the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. God was not hiding anything at the time, but he was obviously doing what he's always done, which was revealing on his time. Kind of like prophecy. He made known things, he made known things to come and they, and they did. But again, it was on his time. We have to look back at the time of the crucifixion. And the one thing that really got the attention of the Jewish leaders after that happened when Jesus said that it is finished and he took his last breath was they went inside the temple and they seen that the curtain was torn and, and separated, which separated the Holy of Holies, which I'll explain again if you didn't follow in Exodus. The Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and eventually within the uh, um, the temple was the particular room that was covered by a very large curtain that no one could go into except for the appointed high priest once a year for the uh, Day of Atonement, to, to uh, pray for the atonement of the sins of the people of Israel. And if the priest was defiled in any way and walked into that Holy of Holies blatantly knowing that he had not been cleansed of all of his sins before going in there, he fell to his death. So 
considering the fact that everything that was witnessed after Jesus died, the biggest thing to them was, oh my gosh, the curtain has been torn in two. The Holy of Holies has been separated now. It's wide open. That really got to them. Why? Because Jesus destroyed the dividing wall between the separation of Jew and Gentile. And Paul, of all people, became a minister of both sides to both sides. Paul was a minister. He was a servant, if you will, to the people. He, he would not even... See, he, wouldn't, he was a minister to the people that he wouldn't even touch on the street walking by. Because a Jew couldn't even rub shoulders and touch a Gentile. And this alone is valid proof of the power of Christ and the testimony of how on how and why he is a follower of Christ in the most humble forms. And that is why he's a minister. See, it was not based on his academic background. It, was, it wasn't based on his wanting to be a part of something bigger than himself. It, it was based simply by grace because Paul was not worthy of such and he knew it and he recognized it. Availability is key. Okay, ability is great, but ability can come with time. The Lord is looking for someone's availability. Lord, here I am. What can I do? If there were more, if there were more of a servanthood-like demeanor in the world, I guarantee the world would be a better place. If everyone wanted to be the head, which only belongs to Christ, but in the headship, right? No one, no one uh, was a. If no one wanted to be a servant, nothing would be done. <laughs> nothing would get done. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords was a servant, a servant of all. He was a servant of all uh, of all people, all ages, all things. It, it was an honor to be doing anything in the kingdom of God. Because I, I love the story about a very. Um, he was a very loved and respected pastor who was being looked for by the associate pastor in the church. It was a pretty large church uh, located in Southern California. And uh, a congregation member uh, was in need, of, uh, in need of counsel and requested the pastor. And the associate pastor was looking all over for him and could not find him. Well, he finally checked the last place. He went into the men's restroom and he found him in his, in his suit uh, in the bathroom attending to a clogged toilet. <laughs> and so he was taking care of it in his suit himself. Now, why was he doing that? Because the ownership of that bathroom in the building was not the pastor's ownership. It was the Lord's. Why? Because it was an honor to be there as a servant, a steward of the house of the Lord. And Paul gave the example of the blessing of tending the sheepfold. Now, may we never forget that as we continue on. And may you never forget that if you are in ministry. Uh, verses 8 to 13 says... To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus Christ, to the talent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places." 
according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, as I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul recognizes his help, his help and where it came from as, as the least of the saints. We see why he changed his name from Saul, which means the demanded one, to Paul, meaning little or small. But it was through his humility and his recognition of Christ that made him a spiritual giant in the kingdom of God. In verse 12, we are reminded of the privilege of approaching the throne of God, right? Because the way of the priest in the Old Testament, I'll, I'll explain if you did not follow along in the book of Exodus, was as I mentioned in the um, earlier in the Holy of Holies, what would happen was is that you had to come to the priest. And the priest would make the atonement of your sins through the sacrifice of an animal. But it, it, was, it was done typically once a year. So the scary thing was is that the time that it, is until that day of atonement, your sins were lingering in you until the release of that time of the year. You know, have you been in a place where you had to make an appointment to see someone uh, because of a great need? Well, that privilege is given to all to approach the creator of all things at any time. Isn't that something? Right? We no longer, we no longer have to go through, it's kind of like, uh, like I said, making an appointment. It's having, it's, it's kind of like talking to the secretary and then setting up a meeting with the CEO or the chairman. You could go straight to the chairman. That's what Christ did. It is amazing that the Lord desires, but on top of it, he desires to hear from you. And through prayer and through worship and, and singing, those things are pleasing to him. So by all things, continue in that. Is that is pleasing to the Lord, and and it's a blessing to you, and 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 for those that are uh, that you are praying for through intercessory prayer. But but what he says at the end is interesting about losing heart at his tribulation, because if Paul had not preached the gospel. Well, he wouldn't have been in jail, and therefore the people of Ephesus would not have heard the gospel that saves their souls. We, we celebrate holidays dedicated to soldiers that have died in service to their country. And, and people like Paul and the other apostles who have suffered persecution and brutal deaths, uh, with the exception of the apostle John, who, who got to live to be an old age and died uh, naturally, Paul sacrificed much so that others would reap the benefit of knowing Christ. And in Paul's suffering, he knows he never came close to the suffering of Christ. People, many people become discouraged when a leader is not around. But Paul did, uh, Paul did good in pointing the direction away from him and to the Lord. See, good leaders are vital to, to ministry and, and life, but Christ is the head of all things. And we must remember that. Because Jesus said to take up your cross, because on the cross is where our sins and iniquities were cast upon and defeated. And, and we have to carry that cross like he did for us up on Calvary. We carry it, but we cast it upon him who takes it away. Paul endured much, and he had to carry his cross. But Paul made known that nothing in the name of the Lord was done in waste. All, all things here on earth fade 
but not those things in heaven or for those that, uh, that, that are done in our Lord. Amen? Now let's go ahead and take a look here at verse 14 to 21. And that will cover chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened uh, with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through the faith that you are being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, with, um, with all the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the f uh, fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power of the work in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So again, I, I take a look here. As he says, he, he bows his knees to the Lord. Paul said, and if, and if there was an example to be shown in worship, Paul did that well in, in that aspect of bowing his knees to the Lord. Well, we bow in worship simply because of who he is, amen? But, but keep in mind that it is for, for who he is and what he has done and continues to do. See, we do not worship a historical figure that was here for just a time and, and did some amazing things, we worship a living, active Savior that continues to work in our lives here and now. We, we know that Jesus came and died and forgave us of sin. We know he came and had three years of ministry revealing who he was, teaching, healing, uh, raising the dead, and doing countless miracles that the Apostle John said uh, that Christ did so many that we could not even fit it all in a book. Now, again, Paul was not with Christ in person with the other disciples, but Christ came to Paul. He changed his ways, his thoughts, his heart, and his life. And whatever great things that Paul did as a Pharisee were exceeded when he was walking with Christ and, and that is something Paul himself said personally. He, he said it more uh, a little more bluntly, if you will. But he made that known that whatever that I whatever uh, bragging that I have of my past as a Pharisee, which he had much, amounted to nothing compared to what he learned through Christ Himself. See, Ephesians. It, it's a wonderful book. It's a wonderful little letter in all things of ministry, everyday life, married life, workplaces, whether you're alone in a room, whatever it may be. This small letter covers many things. And we're only halfway through. And you will see what I'm talking about when when it's all said and done. But let's look at it this way. If, if the church has followed this one book even... We could see a better place in our lives, our homes, and our churches. But this was only scratching the surface. The other books he wrote were also powerful in all needs and instruction. But this one here, Ephesians, was good because uh, when this was written, when the book of Ephesians was written, Paul was already a veteran in the faith. And the ministry, he was a veteran in the faith, he was a veteran in ministry as well. He was doing the work for the Lord for many years when this book was already written. 
And we're seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in the writings. We're seeing it, it is glorifying the Lord while encouraging anyone who reads this to grow closer to Him in our Lord and Savior. This is kind of like, uh, kind of like growing up as a child. Right? You watch them, you can see that they walk for a little bit, and then they, eventually they start to walk pretty good, and, and then eventually they learn how to run. But can we run with distance and endurance, though? See, that is the training period that must be developed by, by running in distance, or even running up a hill if need be. You know, it's amazing, you know, we look at the older, uh, the older times in the Old Testament and the parts of the New Testament. See, lots of people met God on top of mountains. <laughs> when you climb or run up one, would you climb or run up one if the Lord invited you? Well, you can receive him right here and now if you have not before. And after that, he will give you the, the endurance to run the distance. But for now, may we enjoy the walk with him, and I guarantee that he will enjoy the walk with you. You know, I, I heard someone say once that stood true, that, you know, when you walk with someone, you're going somewhere with them. Well, when we're walking with God, we're going to go so many places. When we're walking with the Lord, we're going to go to so many places and see so many neat things. You know, it's said that back in the time of... Um, in Genesis, the, the Enoch used to walk with God. And Enoch was the first person that, that did not die a physical death. He was actually brought up to heaven. God just says, you know what, I'm just going to take you with me right here and now after 300 and some years of, uh, of him living on earth. Back when, uh, when they were living for hundreds of years back in the days of Genesis. He took him without dying. He, he walked closely with God. Now, that doesn't happen to us here and now, but we could still walk closely with God. The closer we walk with Him, the more we'll do, the more we'll see, the better things will be. But we're also going to face some adversities in life as well. I don't want to give anybody an impression that, oh, you know, when you receive God, everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be, you know, uh, problem free. That is not true. That is not true. Life goes on the way it always has. But you have an advocate and you have a guide with you that can walk you through the turmoil. They can walk you through the issues. It does make things a little easier. See, we rely on human companionship. When we're in our darkest times, we, we rely on somebody else there to be with us. And sometimes we don't even care who it is as long as there's a presence there. Now, that could be very dangerous, right? But not so with our Lord. When his presence is there, when, when he is called upon, that is a win-win situation. And he has the ability to bring people to you. My youngest son, who in kindergarten has a hard time from time to time doing things and going places... And twice I've seen a, another, another little boy his age... And when, he, and when my son is crying, and when my son is scared, this little boy stands by him and keeps his arm around him. I've seen it in a picture, and then I've seen it firsthand in a hallway. And this little boy's not even in his class. 
And I really truly believe that God sends people, allows people to be that ministering spirit like angels, if you will, do. When you receive him, there's no telling what he will do for you and how he will work for you. But you have to receive him in order to know. You have to receive him in order to to receive eternal life. And if you want that, if you read that and you feel this this feeling of of overwhelming joy and love and and yes, I want the the Holy Spirit. I want the Lord in my life. I want to be saved. I want to I want to change my life. I want to walk with God. Well, you have the chance. And it can be done through a simple prayer to receive him and after that, you can start to walk and then eventually run. And may you, afterwards, may you do so. May you do so in strength. Find yourself a, a good Bible teaching church that you could be a part of. And, and, and serve the Lord. Walk with Him. But there's one thing you must do first in receiving Him. So if you feel led, now's the time. Don't wait for tomorrow because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So I encourage you now to say the prayer with me if you want to repeat. Dear God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of all of my sins as I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you to cleanse me of my sins, Lord. As I thank you for dying on the cross, I thank you for for receiving me, Lord, as one of your own. As I receive you as my Lord, I receive you as my, my Savior, I receive you as my Father. And I thank you for having me, Lord. May we walk together for all of my days here. And may I be with you when my time is up, Father Lord, by receiving you in my heart now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, let me know if you ever have said that prayer. You know, it's, it's always nice to be able to meet some family members. And we want to make sure that, uh, that you're continuing to grow. And that you're continuing to walk in Him. So don't let this be a one-time thing, because if you only eat once, if you only drink once, then you will wither. So you want to be growing, you want to be walking, you want to be able to, to be strengthened. So take this time as we venture through the Bible, take this time as we're praying for one another, loving one another, to experience a little bit of what God has in store for us from heaven on earth. So may God bless and keep you, your families, your friends. And may you continue in the work as you love and honor and serve him. God bless you.